Welcome to this week's regular Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as normal, you'll have 20 minutes or so from uh, the two of us to discuss matters of the moment in and around the hotel investment space. My name is Chris Bowne, the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined uh, by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And the first topic we are going to be talking about this week is the uh, value of subscriptions and memberships, uh, not least because... Um, Membership Collective Group, who uh, used to be called Soho House, uh, recently uh, revealed their latest quarterly set of results and have also revealed that they're perhaps honing slightly their their business strategy going forward. Um, And part of that is because they are informed by a very large uh, survey of the the membership uh, that they have at uh, their their houses, uh, as they call them. They earn about a quarter of their total revenues from membership subscriptions, um, but more importantly, perhaps they've um, they've discovered what their members really do and don't value about uh, buying a membership with them. Um, and one of the interesting things was that they've been working quite hard on a, a massive online platform, which was a large part of that was going to be delivering kind of online engagement. <clears throat> and the feedback from the members is actually they don't want online engagement. They want real world events and experiences, which uh, quite interestingly kind of feeds into what perhaps other people in the hotel space are working on as well in the belief that that is what uh, consumers want. Um, but it's, uh, it's it's an interesting area. It's something that uh, other people are trying out. Uh, Selena, who are just about to uh, just listing on, uh, have just listed, sorry, on the on the U.S. market, uh, are strong on subscriptions also, um, but not too many in the pure hotel space just yet. Absolutely. Um, uh, in in terms of the whole membership piece, I mean, we've written previously about this about the attraction of subscriptions um, and it, it is a business idea which is very attractive that but the reality is um, it's about execution um, and as with most business ideas you know they can be fantastic but it, it is delivery um, which is 90% 99% of, of the key to unlocking the potential um, even with um, MCG uh, you know it's still an unprofitable company and it's still got a ways to go to deliver uh, proper profitability um, um, you know it, it's much um, admired but uh, you, you know but it, it is like one of those uh, sort of technology companies which uh, um, everybody thinks is, is a great idea but actually never ends up making any money for for anybody so um, so I think this is you know it, it's still case unproven I think for this but it is certainly I, I, I mean I, I would maintain it is a good idea and there's a lot of people going for it at the moment um it's interesting i think you touched on chris the citizen m scenario mm. um um i mean they've had you know they're one of the, uh, the more innovative of of the brands and they've struggled getting this off the ground and making it work what they've ended up plumping for and continuing with is this sort of what i would describe as a paid for um tier of a loyalty scheme mm. um 
and I think this is probably the most interesting area from a hotel perspective. I think less in terms of subscription paying, you know, I'm going to subscribe to having one, two or three nights a month at, at a hotel chain. Um, I just don't see that really getting traction. I think as Citizen M, M have proved, the market for this is relatively limited. Um, and even in the airline space where you're going to have more of that, uh, people, you know, stuck with a particular route um that's i mean in the end what are you doing from a from a uh, service provider's perspective you could well just end up cutting your own prices and mm. hitting your own margin by bundling it up uh, making it too much of a good deal for customers so i think you know that there's that tension there and i think with customers they're looking at it thinking well you know they're they're adding the numbers up and is this a good deal or is it not a good deal and um, so easyjet as an example of this have got a uh, uh, easyjet plus membership scheme which is 215 pounds for that you get uh, a bunch of stuff free changes um, well free in inverted commas changes you get fast track security um, free inverted commas um, baggage um you know check-in baggage all of this kind of uh, stuff and really you know you can buy all of this um up front when you buy a normal ticket and it's just a question of well are you going to spend more than 215 pounds a year buying this stuff separately well maybe you are but um who wins by doing it under this uh, th mm. this this kind of um um you know bundling it up in this way and I, i'm not and convinced that this is a perfect uh, you know marketing opportunity um, perhaps better is the notion of you know paying a little bit to become a member of something that then gives you an ongoing discount but the people best place for that are the OTAs because um, they have the broadest range of product and so consumers are more likely to be able to select something at a discounted price which they think you know it's, it's kind of like um um what's that macro that that um shopping um Costco, chain, or Costco, uh, store. Cost, yeah, Costco, Costco and Macro, and there's stores, a bunch yeah. of others like that where you yeah. you join, you, you you know you pay whatever it is a fee to become a member, and then you can access these discounted rates, and that kind of sort of locks you into always going to your Costco or your Macro or whatever it's going to be. Um, we have one um, up and running in the OTA world at the moment in Europe, actually. E E Dreams of Dagio, um, they've got this Prime membership thing, um, which they are targeting. They think they're going to get to uh, 7.25 million members um, by 2025, which is uh, a, a pretty significant thing uh, number. Um, they're more sort of continental Europe. They that, they, that is available in the UK but it's not really I don't think got a lot of traction in the UK um, but certainly um, you know they're, they're Spanish based um, and the, you know they've got good traction there and in France and to an extent Germany I think um, and then big focus is flight revenue uh, or flights and driving um, a return by um, selling selling flights so they um, are the biggest uh, European OTA if you just look at flight revenues that are booked through them um, they're bigger than Expedia they're bigger obviously booking has just got into this game they bought a rival of um, eDreams which is uh, um, 
e-travely um that's the thing that at the end of 2021 booking paid 1.6 billion euros for um so i think there's a potential threat here to hotels if otas make this work um you know you could see that the, the, the challenge is going to be there if they do get a good sort of customer base um around this and and funnel people saying look i'm going to get my discount on my hotel and flight combined if i use this this um a membership scheme so i think there is a significant threat here to hotels if it works um i, I you know i think the, the the jury's still out on this one and um, we'll see how it goes There's certainly a lot of excitement around this e-dreams are you know uh, very excited about it and i and i think clearly uh booking are looking at this extensively expedia is already in this in a big way so it, it's certainly one to watch and just the final point just on the thing you've already mentioned chris this face-to-face -face thing mm. um you know i mean we we you know this is a case of us saying we told you so because we said <laughs> we said that you're not going to recreate that offline experience online and we said this very early in the lockdown um and it's clearly the case um and the fact that uh, mcg is not pursuing digital memberships anymore i think is proof positive um that we were right, Chris. Mm, okay. Now, if you fancy heading off to the Alpine slopes for a bit of skiing this season, um, you can uh, do worse than stay in a Hoxton branded chalet, uh, which is in Morzine in France. Uh, it's the latest example of how the hotel brands are looking to kind of extend their reach into other areas uh, away from just purely traditional hotel accommodation. And of course, it comes just after the uh, the launch of Ritz Carlton's uh, first uh, cruising yacht, uh, which is now running around the Mediterranean. Um, there's, there seems to be a variety of efforts to extend brands onto the sea, up the mountain, and uh, wherever next. Yeah, um, this caused me to sort of muse a bit more broadly about brands and what brands mean. Um, in my inbox i had the latest interbrand report the interbrand uh, the the big consultancy in this area and their best global brands um, report has been going for a number of years and the latest one just came out and they list the top 100 um global brands and uh, in there is not a hotel company in that top 100 mm. airbnb makes it as a new entry at 54 which is interesting um but hilton doesn't marriott doesn't holiday inn doesn't um and it, it, to me this is i think hoteliers are still wrestling with the the notion of what a brand is all about um if you look at the top 10 in this interbrand survey you've got the likes of apple you've got amazon you've got toyota you've got coca-cola um and i'd suggest that what all these companies have is an understanding of what customers want um and they're focused on providing a solution to a very basic problem um interbrand sites do belong play pay and thrive as a sort of things that these customers are enabling their customers to do and providing solutions for that um and i think just as property planning use classes are outdated are outdated so's the historic definition of um a hotel and hoteliers need to get 
back to basics and ask themselves you know what is a hotel all about um it, it is i would suggest much more than simply the provision of lodging and nourishment um uh, and and i think the the key thing for me looking at this um is and what we've just touched on what we were just talking about um is that hotels enable interpersonal connectivity it's this thing that is the most important aspect of what what a hotel um what hotel companies are selling um and i think um Airbnb is an example of a company that's come in and grasped the principle of delivering, um, you know, on a pro more profound human need. Um, and uh, Interbrand points out that Airbnb has shifted away from spending on the likes of Google, that sort of performance marketing spend, and towards building the Airbnb brand itself. Um, and to quote the Interbrand report, talking about um, Airbnb the brand aims to be much more than a marketplace that merely connects guests and hosts and they intend to achieve this by providing the ultimate service to their guests anticipating the needs and going above and beyond now we can debate how well Airbnb is ultimately equipped to do this um, hmm, I don't think yeah. it is very well and we've been hmm. big skeptics of this for some time but I think what they have done is you know have a clear vision around what they're about now hotel brand companies are getting there with this but they've still got a ways to go i think um at the other extreme of all this is um lvmh now this is the ultimate the the kind of big daddy of brand companies um you know they are massive they're a market cap in excess of 350 billion euros this makes them six times the size of airbnb nearly and seven times the size of marriott um so it's kind of funny and the, you know you see this absolute giant and they spend a huge amount of time um, during their recent results presentation talking about a 72 room hotel in Paris <laughs> which is just just weird isn't it yeah. you know this huge Goliath you know you know chundering on about this tiny property in Paris why, why are they doing that you'd never hear Marriott or Intercom banging on about a single hotel but I think what LVMH gets is that it's creating this this icon, this brand, and they understand the Cheval Blanc piece and this this thing they're doing in Paris, how critical it is, um, and what they're doing. They're creating this icon, and once that's established there, you know something utterly sublime. Um, they can then build off that in terms of the ancillary revenues and that's what they do with their clothing brands their leather goods brands their jewelry brands their perfume brands and so on and so on and i think this is what they're trying to do from um you know with the cheval blanc thing and ultimately where they're heading as well with their belmont acquisition which is fascinating because this is you know a significant company when it got swallowed by lvmh but it just doesn't feature in their results because it's too micro um relative to the scale and size of lvmh but i think one to watch on what's happening in luxury brands absolutely is lvmh and of course uh in common with with uh, ritz carlton um they've belmont have got their own have for many years had their own little um uh cruise uh, fleet although much smaller scale and usually on canals rather than the ocean 
Yeah, well, and of course, you know, that transport thing, the Orient Express mm. piece they had before the brand was taken back by um, Accor, or taken back by SNCF and then given to Accor. Um, and, um, you know, we now have Belmont trains and they're still going and very nice they are too. But it's part of that whole travel experience mm. piece. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the big things that we've seen off the back of the pandemic is how hotels and hotel groups have uh, rediscovered the value of the leisure traveller and uh, perhaps uh, started to reconsider how important they thought the big business accounts were for their for their hotels prosperity um, and perhaps a leader in that is Hyatt who's largely transformed themselves with uh, their acquisition of uh, Apple Leisure Group which took them big time into leisure hotels and all inclusive and that sort of thing and um, that that sort of I th- appears to have have really kind of got through at uh, the top because they've uh, recently now acquired uh, Dream Hotel Group, which is a 125 million dollar deal, which gives them far much more of those lifestyle properties, which deliver revenue not just for rooms sold uh, for people staying overnight, but much more from food and beverage and uh, nightclubs and and bars and that sort of side of things, and quite tilts the. Um, the way that the income is earned from from the properties um so that's one interesting way in which each hotels are now now coming to understand this sort of this broader um opportunity to to earn earn revenues not just from uh, uh, heads heads on pillows um and then the other thing that's caught our eye in this kind of area recently is that uh, the spanish group melia has just done a deal with um a, a, a spanish ota called logi travel um which is all about in that case it's all about melia looking to upsell flights and experiences and other things uh, to its hotel guests so um, looking to potentially sell you your your whole trip if you are starting to organize it via your Melia uh, loyalty app. Yeah, I'm, I find that slightly less compelling than the whole Apple Leisure right. Group deal. I mean that that I mean just on that Apple Leisure Group thing, um, it's just been such a huge success for Hyatt. Um, I just revisited the Hyatt's Q3s and uh, ALG's EBITDA in Q3 was almost half of what the rest of Hyatt excluding ALG achieved. So it's 60 million US versus uh, 136, 137 million US. So I mean it's a phenomenal um, contribution that uh, um, ALG has delivered uh, there. So it wasn't a surprise to see Hyatt doubling down on this whole leisure piece through its acquisition of the Dream Hotel Group. And it's important, I think, to realise that the, the Dream, although they're urban locations, I think it's very much a, a leisure play. It's a kind of, what well, leisure, that mm-hmm. dreadful word um, you get a bit of. But it, it's, you know, that kind of urban leisure resorts, I think, as you point out in your, your piece, Chris. And Dream does look to be a very attractive business for Hyatt. Um, and you look at what Hyatt's paid, and they seem to have got a very good deal. Um, so they've paid um, up front 125 million US um, for 12 million of um, stabilised management fees, and that's barely 10 times um, um, multiple. Now, um, Hyatt's current EV EBITDA multiple is um, almost 13 times. So on that basis, this looks like uh, uh, an earnings enhancing deal. And if you look into the future, um, another 175 million is going to have to be uh, coughed up by Hyatt. But that is 
should deliver 27 million of these so that multiple is barely six times on that forward-looking piece so that's even more attractive so high it's sort of bigging up the fact it's a sort of um, high single digit overall you know blended multiple for this so I think it, it does look a, a very good deal if you know it's all executed so far so good for Hyatt I mean I think as we just mentioned the ALG thing has gone fantastically well two roads went pretty well so there's you know there's every prospect of this 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 dream um, hotel group deal being um, something of a dream <laughs> uh, now we're going to turn to our five star and no star rewards for this week and uh, Andrew off you go what have you got five stars for well it's covid um chris um it just you know it just never seems to go away it's that sort of lingering dark cloud i thought we'd got to the point where people understood look this is effectively the flu um a nasty flu um and we just got to get on with our life and stop shutting down um but you know here we are we've got politicians again this time i'm going to pick on the french where you've got the french saying we go we might potentially make it compulsory on public transport again this is masks not catching COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so we might make masks um compulsory again oh please enough already you know let, let's not go down there so it's just this you know just as the chinese are finally giving up on their bonkers policy of you know uh, zero covid um the french are resurrecting mm. the same idiotic um approach so i mean i just hope we don't see any more of that in the uk i mean there are a few hospitals i think which are, are making masks obligatory again and um, restricting visits and all this sort of thing so it's uh, oh it's a worry but um, yeah so no stars very much for that um and the five stars piece well it it's dexter moren um they won um or he won um the outstanding contribution award at the design at the ahead hospitality design awards now i like this um for a number of reasons i like this one is that i think dexter um i think goes against the grain of some of these designer lovies <laughs> if i might characterize them as that um in that the, you know they obsess about the boutique and the special and the one-offs well but dexter's quite prepared to get stuck in and do the brands thing and do the budget thing as well and do you know he's, he's looked at extended stay and all of this stuff so uh studio moren as his uh practice has now been rebranded rebranded um you know is, is prepared to do that so i really like that about it i also thought it was a really charming um presentation speech given by uh, hotel consultant david bailey um shout out to him i know he's a, a regular listener of this podcast um and i, I you know i was very impressed with that uh, speech and, and it also i liked you know dexter and in terms of how he made his you know how he delivered his acceptance speech very modest as is the nature of the man but something i you know i admire i mean i'm not a religious man personally but you know dexter was prepared to say look i you know he's a christian and he's prepared to acknowledge that and i thought well that's good and i think that's you know it's good that in a in, in a community which is shall we say quite trendy and right on to be able to express that religious conviction like that i thought well you know good on you dexter um it was the right thing to do um and i think it speaks volumes for him as a person and uh, the nature of the business he's built up uh, so congratulations to dexter All right, for that. positive note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs> 